listening to Make It, a podcast by Bonsai Creative that helps aspiring professionals in film get where they're going faster by dissecting the advice, knowledge, and insights of professional creatives in the film industry. I'm your host, Chris Barkley. I'm Terry Ritter. I'm a talent agent in Toronto, Canada. And uh, we've done some really interesting work recently uh, with ABC Amazon um, on a, a brand new series that hasn't even been released yet called The Wilds. Uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, we have a series regular on uh, the show and we can't wait for it to be launched. Um, and we have uh, quite a few actors doing all kinds of other things. So we're pretty excited about the fact that the industry is opening again and we're getting some bookings. So after a long, cold summer with COVID, uh, it's really exciting to see the industry opening again. Here, here to that. And Terry Ritter, welcome to the Make It Podcast. Thank you. And you mentioned you're a talent agency in Toronto, Canada. And so I want to give the audience a little bit more depth on you. I'm going to read uh, a bit from your bio. Terry came to the industry with over 30 years experience in strategic planning and accounting. This, coupled with her industry experience as an actor's mom, has allowed her to get to know the industry from the ground floor up. Originally with Heinz Management, Terry opened her own agency, Ritter Talent Agency, in August of 2017. During the 13 years that Terry has been an agent, she has seen her roster grow and develop into, into a strong group of actors who are regularly employed by industry top producers and filmmakers. Her actors have seen uh, can be seen on such shows as The Expanse, Taken, Impulse, Kim's Convenience, Imposters, Killjoys, Man Seeking Woman, Orphan Black, Heroes Reborn, Hannibal, Degrassi, Nikita, The Listener, Flashpoint, Defiance, as well as feature films such as Arrival, The Silence, Business Ethics, Paper Year, ARQ, Suicide Squad, Regression, Kidnap Capital, Kick-Ass 2, Stage Fright, The Lesser Blessed, the Phantoms and others. She is also extremely active. She also has an extremely active group of actors who regularly appear in commercials throughout North America and abroad. And that's quite a bio. And so I'm, I'm curious, you graduating from Waterloo University in the mid nineties, early nineties and really going directly into a field that wasn't entertainment. Did you have any sense that you would end up where you are today back then? No sense whatsoever. Um, I have a big smile on my face, actually, as you were reading all of those projects. And I, I, it just always makes me so happy to hear that my guys are actually doing that. So I had no sense that I would ever do this role. And in fact, way back then, if you would have asked if I or one of my children would be 
uh, in film and TV, I would have rolled my eyes into the back of my head <laughs> and said, no, I like <laughs> just could never have imagined that I would be involved in the industry. I always was probably kind of a um, a glass half full kind of a person where things like that wouldn't happen to people like me. And, you know, it was actually my daughter that brought me to the industry because she wanted to be an actor. She had a real funny, interesting, creative side to her that most of her teachers uh, really hated, actually. <laughs> but she was really funny and engaging and everybody would say you know you should get this kid into commercials or something because she's just hilarious and she really wanted to to do it she wanted to do acting she just thought it was the best thing ever and when we would watch tv she'd say mommy when can i be on tv and i would always say no honey that's never going to happen and it was only after probably about six or seven years of her bugging me consistently about how could I get her an agent that I finally made her a deal that if she would get all A's on her next report card, that I'd <laughs> find her an agent, thinking that would never happen in a million years because <laughs> she just was too um, – you know, she was <laughs> always creating an uproar in the classroom, and I never figured that would come about. And it was her actually really wanting it and really putting forth effort to um, get those all A's on her report card that, you know, pushed me into the industry because I had absolutely no choice but to find her an agent because she had dedicated herself to, you know, doing what I had asked her so she could become an actor. And <clears throat> sure enough, we found Heinz management to rep her when she was 11. And she basically did amazingly well, <laughs> got all kinds of roles, worked with Julia Roberts, Red Ohm, and, and, uh, you know, <laughs> Molly Ringwald played her mom in a, a feature that she did. And um, I was kind of forced into the industry because I became <clears throat> a mom on set watching this miracle that happens with actors when they actually become the, the character they're creating. And it suddenly occurred to me that if dreams can come true for this 11-year-old possibly I could make a dream come true <clears throat> for me as well. Because I, as, as good as I was at what I did, I was really unhappy and bored with it. And over time, really started to get excited about the thought of being in the industry. And um, it was through her agent, Amy Hines, that I basically said, how do you become an agent? And she said, here, here's a stack of... Uh, resumes. <laughs> Why don't you just start interviewing people and 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 start taking on a roster and come on board? And so that's how I got into the industry. It definitely wasn't because I had ever it had ever occurred to me as a possible option, but it was basically my daughter that kind of forced me in, and I gradually over time watching her become this like amazing actor it just um i grew to love the industry as well and and actors 
And I think that's why I'm as, as successful as I am, because I actually really love actors at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a prerequisite for being an agent for sure. And there's so much to dig into there. So thank you for that background. You, you were, you were a, um, an operations manager at engineering harmonics. And we've heard that story so many times where one of the ironies of life is that sometimes you don't choose what you're going to be good at. And you're really good at this job, but it's boring to you. It's not an exciting life. You don't feel fulfilled by it, even though you're good at it. And I've spoken to so many creatives that have felt that same way that, you know, the, the problem is the biggest problem is, is how do you walk away from something that you're very good at and successful at to go pursue something that is a risk? Right. And, and That's that, yeah. Yeah. And, and Amy, uh, Hines bring you in and just so, being so open to just saying, Oh, here's the, you know, being that guide, if you will, in act two of your life, you know, of the film of your life saying here, let me guide you to this path. I mean, how wonderful is that to have someone who isn't trying to compete against you or keep you in a, in your place or in your lane, but rather bringing you in and embracing you and teaching you this industry. That's, that's, yeah, really she was wonderful. really pivotal for me at the beginning and in, in trying to learn, you know, just this side of the industry. Uh, it's because it's tricky at the beginning. I mean, I come from a really totally different background and trying to figure out how to get casting directors who are bringing in my actors or who I want to bring in my actors, how do I get them to trust me? And in many ways, you know, already uh, joining a, a company that had those connections made it easier for me to actually start to develop those connections as well. And so having somebody mentoring at the very beginning is is really quite, I think, quite important. And, and that's why I'm also mentoring two agents now that are also with me, because I want to kind of give that opportunity back to them. And um, yeah, so <laughs> it, she was very, very open and um, open to me just learning everything about the industry at the beginning from her. So, yeah. It shouldn't go uh, unsaid, those people that uh, at the at the time that they do it, how important they are. So, again, I think that's fantastic. And you'll find people around this industry that have shepherded others uh, that that went further than than even them. Um, so so often, I'm, I'm curious. Is you ultimately ended up representing um, your daughter Maya? Uh, is well, I want to make sure that's correct. That's correct, right? Well, actually, um, no. Amy continued to rep her um, because, as an agent, you don't often you don't rep your own child just because there can be a conflict. Uh, and it, so, for for the longest time, Amy repped uh, repped her. And I didn't get involved in that at all. And at that point, Maya was able to be on set on her own. So I was doing my own thing as an agent. Um, after a while, she decided that she wanted to get out of acting so she could have a real life, she said, right. and, and start to have friends in, in school. And so at that point, she disconnected from 
from the industry altogether. And I tried to encourage her to get back into it um, for a while and repped her for maybe a couple of months, which didn't go well, <laughs> just because she really was resistant and, and didn't want to be in the industry anymore. And so, um, yeah, she's now doing something totally different. <laughs> and thank you for that, because that leads me into uh, my next question. I'm so curious about this the dynamics of that, you know, is representing your own child easier or more difficult and, or is having, you know, what is it like to have your child be represented by someone else? And, but you still have to go home with, with that person, you know, uh, and I know there's a, a children's division that's very active at Ritter. So I'm curious to find out your thoughts on the specific challenges of, of representing your own child or, or is it easier to have someone else do it? And if so, what, what, what are those dynamics like? Well, I think it's better to have somebody else do it because there's always the dynamic between the parent and child anyway that can, especially during the teen years, be a little bit difficult. And so they generally, I don't know, like <clears throat> my relationship, I'll talk about my relationship with my child. She was more resistant to me you know, giving her feedback or getting her to get her audition in or self-tape in on time or whatever, where she wouldn't be that way with, with somebody else right. because, you know, she knows what button she can push with me and how she can kind of manipulate me. <laughs> and so I, I always think it's better to have somebody outside, like another agent wrapping your own child, um, just because they have more influence with the child in if, from a business perspective than, than the parent does. There's too much crossover between parenting and trying to be a manager to your child at the same time. I, I, had real difficulties trying to do that. And I was really glad that actually Amy was repping her um, for those situations where I couldn't get her to move forward or, or get on the ball with like practicing for an audition, for instance. Right. Um, Amy was far more effective at that than I was. <laughs> well, we'll bounce around a little bit in this conversation, uh, fair warning. Sure. But I do want to stick on this a little bit because you have a couple of employees, a couple of partners in this, uh, Brad Shearer and Jackie Warden. Right. And the uh, latter there, Jackie, she runs and, and sort of handles that that children's division of, of Ritter. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it while we're on the on the subject because you got into this business by being an, an actor's mom. So right. what are the challenges specific to, to children when representing them as clients? Oh, that would be a good one for Jackie. But um, I, because I did rep uh, a, a few children, and I have to admit my roster has mostly been adults because of one really negative um, <laughs> situation with a with an actor's parent at the very beginning of my career. And it sort of put me off from ever wanting to really take on children again. So um, well, can I can I hop in on that? Because I, I yeah. th that right there is something that popped right out to me when um, 
I was thinking about how to uh, approach this interview and, and some of our conversation topics, because I assume that an actor's parent is kind of like um, a really aggressive sports kid parent, right? But fighting on the sidelines and yelling at the referees and, and what is that dynamic and, and how do you handle a parent who wants it more for their kid than the kid wants it themselves? That's a really tricky one because my, my whole philosophy is you do not push a child that doesn't really want it. And so I, you know, you come up against those parents that actually are trying to fulfill something in their own life that they sort of missed. And you almost wish they'd go into acting themselves and leave their poor kids alone. (laughs) But um, you really have to be very forthright with them and, and let them know that, you know, this pushing is not going to actually help their child's career at all. And a lot of times, if I get a sense that the child is not interested or not really wanting or, or not having fun at it, and be, that for me is the key, if they really love it and they're having fun, and my own daughter had a lot of fun with this at the very beginning, and when she started to resist, that was the time that she actually really did need to get out of it. Because when it's not fun anymore, then it it becomes something really negative in their lives and parents pushing their kids to do this when it's not something they really want creates all kinds of really negative consequences in my opinion for the child for the producers for anybody that's engaging the child in these roles it's it's not going to work it just doesn't seem to ever work and so when I, in the past, had kids on my roster with parents that are really pushy. I pretty much don't keep them on the roster because I just don't like uh, or appreciate that they're doing this. Uh, It just really conflicts with my own ideas of of how it should be in the industry. And sure, they do go on to other agents that don't mind because it's all, you know— sometimes about the money. Um, but it never, I find that it never really works out. And so at that point, it's really a good idea for most agents to let, to let them go really so that the child has a chance to actually have a life that it really wants rather than something that's, it's being pushed into by, you know, an overbearing parent. Right, they're being sort of foisted into it. What, yeah. What is that breakup conversation like? Is it? Is it? Is it? Do you just rip the bandaid off, or it, I'm sure those things can go sideways easily. Well, they can actually, and I've never had a really, really bad situation um, because I'm very gentle, and I, I, I'm, I try very hard to really approach it with the child's best interest in mind. And so uh, most parents won't argue with that. That's good. Um, Some of them get really very um, angry and disappointed. But again, it, it it just proves to me when they're like that, they're not considering their child. And so, uh, you know, I, I, 
try to do it very gently and, you know, give explanations about why I think this might not work going forward. And a lot of times they will agree they'll leave the roster and immediately go find another agent. So (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) You know, Terry, we have listeners all across the globe, um, Australia and India and Africa, the UK, certainly Canada and North America. And at the top of this conversation, we mentioned that you were in Toronto, Canada. So are there any pluses or minuses, if any, um, of being a Canadian-based talent agency? Are there challenges? How does it differ from being an agency in, let's say, in the U.S.? Well, it's a different, you know, I really think that it's kind of a different animal almost. I I know that um, the industry operates slightly different in the U.S. as it does in, in other countries as well. What I like about being a Canadian agent is we <laughs> oh, that's a good question actually. <laughs> I, I really like everything about just being Canadian, so <laughs> 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 um, I, I think our, our casting is it could be a little bit more difficult than it is in the US in that casting directors in the US tend to be a little bit more open to seeing newcomers whereas um I fully believe that the casting community in Canada is a little bit risk adverse and they like the people that they know and and so there's a little bit of a, a difficulty there for new agents especially or new actors to get seen by casting directors um, but in general the environment is really uplifting I find it's very rare that I've had anybody say that their on set experience was negative it's usually generally a really positive experience and um there's still lots and lots of projects here in canada to submit to and i'm always busy so i i don't actually tend to look outside of north america for projects although some do come in through our services um, I'm always looking for U.S. projects that may be filming in Canada or, or are f- filming for any of my dual citizen actors. Um, but generally, the environment for casting here is very um, warm and inviting, I think, for, for my actors. So I really love being here. I love <clears throat> the Toronto casting community and uh, I probably wouldn't want to be anywhere else actually (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love that and thank you thank you for that uh that feedback for sure maybe we'll have people rushing to the border to go (laughs) be agents in canada (laughs) uh, based on that answer uh what, what are the two best pieces of advice you've received so far in your career and who did they come from um you know, you're going to probably laugh at this one, but the two best pieces of advice were from my two children that sit when I was trying to decide to leave a six-figure <laughs> job and go into 100% commission as a single parent with a mortgage and a car loan. They both said, go for it, mom. And so that was the best, you know, 
everything is a risk. And people, a lot of people, a lot of friends and family kind of thought I was losing my mind, leaving a great job and, and deciding to become an agent. But both kids were really supportive and basically just said, go for it, go for it. What, what makes you happy is what's going to make them happy. And in fact, that was just the truth. Um, it changed pretty much my whole life. And I became way happier getting up in the morning, knowing I was going to do something really fun and exciting. And it altered my relationship with them as well, because I became a happier mom. So that was the best piece of advice I ever got in my life was go for it, mom. (laughs) I really love that. And every idea seems crazy until you make it happen. And then it's like, oh, that was, of course that worked. So you have to, you know, the outside world is, and maybe we're conditioned as human beings just from a million years of DNA to, to really notice and try to contain the painted bird. Yeah. And to say, Oh, they're doing something different. We better protect them from themselves. Because I think that if you were unique and uh, took risks back when we were uh, chasing, you know, wildebeest in the middle of Africa, (laughs) it probably meant the end of your life. Uh, And so we, we have millions of years that baked in, but today, uh, being willing to take those risks, um, it seems to pay off, uh, not just financially, but also emotionally in your own life. So I think that's a very inspiring, um, piece of information. So I appreciate that. If I flipped it back towards the 109 approximately, uh, actors that you represent, I'm curious, uh, what advice would you give to them uh, specifically when it comes to securing bookings or increasing their employability? Okay. So that's really um, a a good one actually, because I have so many uh, thoughts about that. One of the things that I really notice about actors is they're immensely amazing creating characters and, and being great actors. But what they miss and what should be taught in every theater school that's going is the business side of acting, how to become a professional without like killing off that creative, beautiful thing that they do. So many times I get submissions from from new actors wanting representation that have like got the worst package of materials I have ever seen. And immediately what happens is they get discounted from even, you know, getting viewed by an agent because their materials or their presentation of themselves is so poor in turn, like they just don't have the professionalism that they need in order to even get a meeting with an agent. And so the business side of what's required to really do well in this industry is hugely important and really not taught a lot. And, and what I mean by that is <clears throat> not throwing 
selfies at casting directors, putting together a really beautiful looking resume, getting demo material, even if you have to create it yourself, doing all of the things that a business person would do to market themselves to other businesses. They need to to learn how to do that. And and a lot of that is lost in, you know, creating uh, a lot of that is lost for creative people, I think. Um, some of my actors do it in spades because they have a little bit more of a, a background in marketing, for instance, or business, <clears throat> but a lot of them don't know how to do it. And so I'm trying really hard to teach any of my guys what they need in order to really be able to grow and move forward in their careers. It's an it's like really an ongoing conversation between agent and actor. And I do a lot of that with my guys. Like, what do we need to do next? What do we need to do to get you seen? What is it that we need to change or alter or, or, you know, it, there's just so many possibilities. If somebody's not moving forward, what we can do to help them move forward. And it's, it's all about strategy and marketing and, and trying to figure out what's going to click for them. Yeah. And, we always say we well. I look at filmmakers uh, and screenwriters in independent film, and what you'll find is they are saying to themselves, "It's a story they tell themselves, where they say this movie needs to be tremendously different than normal storytelling for me to succeed in doing it." Um, or, okay, for the first ten minutes, my character isn't going to speak. My, my, my protagonist, that's what I'm going to do when I make this film. My protagonist isn't going to speak for the first 10 minutes and it's going to be so artsy and it's going to be so auteur that everyone's going to love it. And I, it's going to launch me into fame and fortune. And, and tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like you're saying that, that sometimes actors looking for representation will say, um, my talent's so good. It's just going to show on the screen. Like, I don't need to do anything else. <laughs> like this well, is that's it. I mean, I, yeah. and I really think that is kind of a part of the belief system is as long as I know how to act and as long as I do it well, I will be found, I will be noticed. And, and sometimes that is the case, <clears throat> but you're also competing against thousands and thousands of other actors. And so there's got to be something professional about who you are and your materials that you're presenting that makes you look like you're in the industry for life and will, and wanting to do it, you know, a hundred percent. So, a lot of people come at it from a haphazard type of way. It would be like me having no training and walking into an office saying, I'm here to be your president um, uh, or vice president, uh, you know, and and I don't really have the, the, the you know, resume or anything. but uh, I'm going to just do it because I think I can. You know? I'm here to lead your people. Exactly. So, you know, just just because you're an actor doesn't mean just because you're creative doesn't mean you don't know you don't have to know how to be professional and how to present professionally. It's like actors that show up late for an audition. For me, that's like 
the most unprofessional thing you can do unless, you know, your bus stalled and they had to tow you into a garage somewhere. You have to be early. There's just so many things that prove to me that you're an actor that really wants to do this right. And, and it's all about professionalism. Yeah. And just to be clear of my, on what I was saying before, cause I agree with that completely. It's, it's like when you're writing a story, there are tried and true ways to write the story, but because you want to be different, uh, you don't follow the path that works. Well, there are tried and true ways to get a job. And right. it, it, if it worked for a million other people, it's probably going to work for you too. And so you don't need to try to try so hard to subvert that and say, well, I'm going to come at it different and I'm going to stand apart. Your favorite actors did the exact same thing. They were professional. They did the tried and true method. And then when they got their opportunity to audition, that's where they really shine. So applying uh, leveraging your talent in the right places is is important, and not trying so hard to to subvert or usurp things that have already worked and are tried and true was was my point earlier. Um, you do represent a diverse group of actors. You have both union and non unionized actors. Uh, when do you recommend an actor join a union? And uh, um, and and what are the sort of relevant issues around being union or non union? Okay, so that's an individual discussion with every actor, to be honest. I I never I it's almost impossible to say when because it depends on so many things. So for me, when I have that talk with an actor is when they get their first union permit and I go, okay, so is your resume built up enough that you can compete with the other, like, you know, hundred thousand union members that are also competing for that role. So have you really done enough stuff that the casting directors will bring you in? What's the industry look like right now? Is there more projects that are union or non-union? What's the environment like? How, how, what kind of roles do you want to go for? Like you were getting lead roles in the non-union world. Would you be okay with having to start again and getting actor roles in the union world? Because basically that is what happens. So for each individual, we have that discussion and you know, it can depend on so many different things. Sometimes you have an actor that will, you, you'd put a non-union actor in on a union job and they book it. And then you put them in on another union job and they book it again. And so they're already as an actor, as a non-union actor, they're competing against union actors. And so for me, that's a sign that it could be time for them to join the union because they're already booking stuff against those union actors they're competing with. Mm. So it's really dependent. I It's an individual conversation with every single actor. And to be honest with you, I've had some actors join the union <clears throat> that are much older and, and really just wanted to join the union so badly. And as soon as they did, their career stalled. And the reason being is they're competing now with you know, 50 or 60 year old actors that have been in the union forever. There's very few jobs in that age age range for, for those actors in the union. And so they can't possibly compete with somebody that has, you know, 30 years or more of union credits versus, you know, 
<laughs> a guy just joining the union at that age with no union credits other than the one he just booked. So it's, you know, the pros and cons, there's so many pros to joining the union. I'm, I'm very much pro-union. I think as you grow your career as an actor, of course, that is where you want to be because there are so many, you know, much more interesting benefits to being a union actor. But the industry is changing. There are so many now, like really interesting non-union roles um, for actors as well. And so some of my guys don't really want to go union anymore because they'd be missing the hundreds and hundreds of other non-union projects that are out there that are actually quite interesting and challenging. So as I said, it's really an individual decision between the actor and the agent. And, um, it, you know, there's just a variety of reasons why I would, encourage somebody to either join um, or hold uh, for a little bit longer until it's a better time for them to join. Got it. If, curious about this, somewhat related to your answer, by the way, what are the biggest creative and business mistakes you see newcomers making outside of low professionalism? Outside of? Um, well, this is probably also low professionalism, but their social media uh, accounts, a lot of people don't realize how detrimental certain postings can be on social media. Um, it was never an issue 10 to 15 years ago. It's a huge issue now. Producers are looking at that stuff all the time. And if you have something on your social media account that's going to make the production team or the network look bad, they will not use you. So um, my biggest advice to anybody is be super careful what you're posting on social media because it matters huge right now <clears throat> to uh, it's, it can either be um, a booking or, you know, you, not working again in the industry if something, well, <laughs> you've seen it in the industry already so many times in the last few years that um, stuff that is posted on social media can actually ruin your career. Yeah, I completely agree. I was having a conversation about that just yesterday with my co-founder and, and good friend, uh, Nick, about how uh, we, meaning, you know, people our age, have really only been actively using the internet and social media media in a, in a sort of a, a personal branding sort of way for maybe just over a decade. Whereas everyone that was born, let's say, in the year 2000, 2005, they will grow up with this for their entire lives. So they could find themselves and the internet is forever and they could find themselves at 40 applying for a job and not getting it for something they wrote on Twitter when they were 15. Exactly. And that is preposterous because we can't certainly expect someone to be the person they are today that they were when they were 15 or at 40, they were, yeah. but that's, but whether or not me and you, Terry, find it preposterous doesn't change the reality that they're not going to get that job. Right. right? Like it's it's not 
we have to have a universal conversation about it. We would have to have a societal push and change towards some forgiveness in that way. And it'd be understood. But right now that's not where we're at. And, and so, yes, I think that's a, a great, great point. Uh, if somebody finds out you were a bigot 10 years ago and you've had a heart change, you have to basically go do speeches around the country about the time that you were a bigot <laughs> in order for yeah. that to be forgiven. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really, really important. You have been doing this for 13 years. I'm sure you sort of um, compiled and then obviously before that, an actor's mom and, and trying to support um, the success of your child in this business. So I'm, I'm, my feeling is that you might have some, some resources compiled, but, but tell me if you don't. And I'm curious, what are the top three online resources available to someone who wants to become an actor or, or pursue that path and, and maybe even find an agent? So the first resource that I would I recommend actually for any actor or parent of a, a potential actor is to go to the union website and in in uh, Canada it's ACTRA and there's so much there's a wealth of information there on what it takes to become an actor how to uh, you know how to find an agent they list reputable agencies on their site um, you know there's so many people that call themselves agents or agencies that are really in it just for, you know, <laughs> what you'll pay them to get your kid on the roster that, you know, going to the union website, they will, they offer this information on how to avoid scams, how to start, what you're going to need to start, what to expect on set. There's just so much information there that that's where I will always refer um, new actors or parents uh, to view all of the information they may need in order to get started. Um, is that spelled, and, and forgive me for jumping in, is that spelled A-C-T-R-A? That's it. Okay. And probably dot C-A, right? Um, there's, I think it, hmm, good question, actually. It might be actor.com. I'd have to actually look it up. Uh, but it could be C-A. There, each province here in Canada has its own uh, unique uh union offices as well. So, you know, in British Columbia, it's, it's labeled something different, but there is a national union called ACTRA and I think it might be actor.com. Good deal. Uh, we'll, we'll find out for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Um, any other resources, online resources, or maybe just resources in general, you would recommend maybe education pieces, books, anything. You know, it's, um, That's a good question because I, I, I have to be honest, like finding a reputable agent who will talk to you about what's involved is probably the best. Uh, there's all kinds of different, you know, casting. We use different breakdown services and, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't, I, to be honest, I wouldn't recommend just signing on to those and submitting yourself without 
talking to an agent first. So any of the reputable agents that you would see on the union website, give them a call, talk to them, talk to them about what they're, what they offer, what kind of process do they have for getting, you know, getting on board. Um, most agents will describe or talk to you. I do, I do a lot of that on the phone or by email with people just you know, say, how do you, how do we start in this business? And I don't mind taking the time to share with them how to get going. Any of the theater schools also, you know, talk to them about what's, what's required, what kind of training there is. Um, any of the coaching, the reputable coaches will also, you know, get you started in taking a, a beginner's course. If you really think that you want to be an actor, go and take a course, see if you actually can do it. Um, always have something, at least some kind of, of, of training on your resume when you find, when you're looking for an agent, because they are going to ask you why you think you can be an actor, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, also having some kind of material, like whether it be a monologue or any kind of demo material that you have on video so that the the agent can actually see what you look like on 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 the screen. Um, a lot of people think they can be actors. So go and get some training to see if you really can do it. I love that. And Terry, I've also loved this conversation. You're so fun and you have uh, such a wealth of information to provide. Um, this has uh, been a great round one. Hopefully we'll do a round two uh, soon. Uh, probably have three or four or five pages of notes here <laughs> and questions. Um, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and on the internet and, and how they can reach out. Well, uh, Ritter Talent Agency is on Instagram, on Facebook, and we also have our own website at uh, www.rittertalentagency.com. Um, we're pretty much available for questions. Uh, I will always try to answer emails fairly quickly of people that are interested or or wanting more information about how to become an actor. And um, And there you go. <laughs> That's perfect. One, one last question for you. And we, we sort of teased this at the very beginning of this conversation, but how do you see the future of the film and television industry uh, coming off of the, the cold summer of COVID? Um, you know, it's, we're hitting the ground running, to be honest, um, because our cases are fairly low here. We're seeing just a, just a huge amount of projects coming at us all at once. And I, you know, the industry will survive. People are consuming more and more, especially because they've been at home a lot. Uh, they are consuming, uh, you know, everything that we can produce. And so I think the industry will continue to go on. They will look for like safer places to shoot their their projects. Um, we will have more and more projects coming at us. I think 
you know, it's, it's going to be a changing industry. And I think more individuals will start producing more content on their own, uh, which will be really exciting. Um, web series will become way more uh, prolific, I think. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really good, uh, you know, 2021. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, of activity, uh, hopefully without a second surge for us here in Canada of COVID, I think we'll we'll do just fine. Well, it'll be very hard for 2021 to top 2020. That's for sure. (laughs) 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 I'm ready for 2020 to be over. We have had nothing, but um, we've had a good dose of suffering. I should say we've had a lot of joy. There's been a lot of unique things, but there's been a lot of suffering. And um, I'm glad, uh, I'll be glad when when this year passes and we move to 2021 and and hopefully your prediction will come true. Uh, I took a trip uh, a couple of years ago to Montreal and I was just in love immediately. I really didn't even mind the cold weather and the rain that much, uh, frankly. And I told myself I'm going to go back and uh, to a different part of Canada soon. And so I have a trip coming up to Toronto. And if I come, I think uh, I'll look you up and we should have chocolate croissants and coffee. Ooh, that sounds great. And Montreal is amazing. I grew up in Montreal, so I I just can totally relate to your love of Montreal. Yeah, the food there is amazing. Croissants and coffee, it sounds good to me. (laughs) Let's do it. Terry, thank you so much for joining us on the Make It Podcast, and I hope to talk to you soon. I hope so, too. Thank you so much for this. It was fun. Likewise. Talk soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to the Make It Podcast. To find more information about this week's topics, including links to relevant blog posts, projects, and indie creatives, please visit our website at www.banzai.film. If you haven't already, you can join our podcast community on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative and the show will pop right up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step towards your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Book Us to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better, be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.